Welcome to this episode of Group Thinkers. I'm your host, Justin McCord, and with me, as always, is Ronnie Richard. Ronnie, you sure? Does your middle name start with R? It would be... I wish it did. I could be like R cubed or something, but no, it's, a, it's P. I'm one, one slash P to R. Okay. We can, we can still change that. We could still, if you wanted to... I could change my name if that's what it takes. Instead of Ronnie, Ronnie Peter Richard to Ronnie Reader Richard or whatever. We could just flip that into an R. That would be fine. Triple R uh, <laughs> with me. And uh, and we're excited for today's conversation. Uh, on the show today, we have a gentleman whom I've had the pleasure of working with in one capacity or another uh, for about 10 years. I was thinking about that. It's been uh, a little over 10 years since... Uh, a first project. Justin, we both have. Did we both have hair back then? When it was I like ten plus we, years ago. We definitely both had hair back then. Uh, <laughs> we had more on the top, and we had less on the face. Both of us uh, at the time. Right. Uh, we've, Brim, we've aged like fine wine, man. This is this, we, right. we make this work. By the end of today's episode, I'm hoping that Ronnie shaves his head. That's what I'm going for <laughs> from today's episode. So a lot of commitment. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brim Basom uh, from Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Brim, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, Justin. Nice to be on here with uh, you and Ronnie um, talking about something we're all passionate about. So, yeah, I'm glad to have this conversation. Yeah, we're we're super thankful that uh, that we're getting to have this chat. Um, you know, Brim, we we have run in similar circles for a long time, and uh, and we've spoken together at different conferences we've presented together uh you know in boardrooms and so but i don't know that that you and i have sat and just chatted a whole lot and, and that's what i'm excited about for today uh you know with each and every one of these episodes that we do the thing that we try and do is is, is grasp uh, a, a conversation that might be happening at a conference and, uh, sure. and, you know, something that would be happening in the lobby of us just hanging out uh, and, and talking about new or innovative ways to accomplish things, talking about, you know, the ways that we've overcome major challenges uh, in, in our day-to-day -day work and, and try to shine a light on those so that the broader nonprofit marketing landscape uh, can take advantage of the, the steps that in which we've walked. And you've done that uh, in the last couple of years. You've walked in some super unique steps. And so today we're gonna talk about uh, digital transformation. And uh, and so you're going to be able to share with us a lot of what you've done at, at uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, but even dating back you know, to, to stops prior to that. So- um, well, I think Justin, so you made it earlier too, just having like that real world conversation um, that's why it's nice that some of the comps have been back, you know, and not just having a structured kind of like um, pitch, but just really having a conversation, real challenges. Everybody's got challenges working through things. So, um, completely agree. That's where I find a lot of value as well. Yeah, it, it really, I mean, you're right. We, we do. And, and sometimes it feels like we wake up and every day it's a different dragon, right? Every day there's a different sure. challenge that we're trying to, to tackle, or there's a new dimension to that challenge. And I, in one sense, I think that's what draws us back in. That's what makes the work that we do so exciting is because uh, of these challenges, specifically 
at the cross-section of fundraising and technology. Uh, fundraising is such a personal, intimate thing that I'm going to give up sacrificially to support an organization. And technology uh, is less intimate, right? And so there's the, the machine element to it, but it can help us. And so that's what we've really been trying to unpack and understand better over the last couple of episodes to, to demystify what digital transformation means and to really give our listeners practical ideas on things they can do to just move one step forward, right? Just one step at a time. So, yeah, but before we get into the meat of the conversation, uh, I want you to go all the way back to Lubbock and uh, and start with your journey, uh, you know, as a proud Texas Tech alum, you've got some good time in West Texas. As a West Texas kid, I always appreciate uh, Texas Tech graduates. So talk to us about your journey and uh, and and how you found yourself at Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Sure. So, yeah, um, I obviously grew up in West Texas, you know, uh, flat and windy. Uh, but, you know, I still root for my Red Raiders. Uh, you know, but I got into um, really technology. I went to school for a technology degree. But, you know, literally like in the 90s, I really started getting technology. Uh, so it was a pop trivia for you, Justin. Do you remember when Google launched? What year it was? 98? Yep, 98. So that's like where I kind of like, that's where my tech career really launched. I think it's really, I started really getting heavy in tech with 98. So I always use that as like a milestone. So, you know, doing like hardcore development, building servers, building websites. Um, so on the technology side, you know, I've had the benefit to really work on the ground layers all the way through uh, from project management to product management to business operations. Um, you know, having that experience really helped out. And also working um, in the for-profit sector before I came into nonprofit. I worked for a lot of large uh, consulting um, and technology firms that were dedicated to software development. So understanding how those big organizations work um, and some of the challenges and then being able to take that to the nonprofit sector where not every nonprofit has the budget or the resources to really have, you know, so much structure, but knowing what that looks like and then making steps to try to get to that same level. Um, so I was doing a lot of consulting and then I, my um, first, uh, foray into nonprofit was actually the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Uh, so back in 2010, I had an opportunity um, to go there. Uh, at the time, they were growing 30% a year, $500 million organization, uh, had a large technology department, uh, came in, ran a lot of the critical projects for the organization, and then, you know, kind of spent many years there on business operations and had the opportunity to come to Matt um, as a CIO and really be um, a change agent. That was one of the main things that came into MAV was really to just redefine the technology roadmap uh, and, and have a future strategy where in the past there was not a future strategy or a real roadmap. It was much more firefighting and dealing with day-to-day -day operations. You, uh, I've always considered you, Brim, to be less of an IT person and more of a business technologist, that, that it, it's... It's almost that there's the there's in the in the systems and then out looking at the systems and and I've always considered uh, you to be someone who's kind of being able to see the larger picture of how the systems um, should communicate should flow data and should make our processes more efficient. Is that a fair assessment? 
Yeah, I think so. And I think they're world living. And, you know, back in the technology of the 90s, and that was a much different layout, right? You had you know, a lot of on-premise type servers, things like that. It was a lot more, it was a lot simpler, right? You didn't have mobile. You didn't have all these other pieces that are now there. So ecosystem we're dealing with now is this large enterprise ecosystem with a lot of different third-party SaaS providers. You've got a lot of integrations. You've got a lot of data flowing in and out. And so if you don't understand that big picture of how everything is connected, and what the end goals of those platforms are, you can really dig yourself in some corners and you can code yourself into something that's like, oh, this is, this is going to impact four other things. So, um, yeah, I really think it's, it, it is critical to obviously have the technology understanding, understand, hey, here's where our capabilities are. Here's our current stack. what we can do. What do you want to do? Okay, maybe we need to add something so we can actually move this forward. But at the end of the day, you've got to be able to provide for the business and for your mission. You know, and so I really feel like, you know, from the technology is so integrated now, you know, it is a, uh, a business center of knowledge as well, because you're also really involved in the programs and operations. So sometimes you have people on your team that do become experts on certain business operations because they're in there every day. Um, so it has to be much more intertwined. Uh, I think it's going to get more and more tight as we move forward. Um, with a, you know, it's not, it's not hard to stand up a system anymore. You know, there's a lot of third, third party advisors you can go out and stand something up. But then how do you use that system and then how you integrate it and how does it move your mission forward? Yeah, there was there was a trend a, a handful of years ago to where the, the idea was to centralize data, right? To centralize systems, to centralize technology. And, and I personally feel that we've moved away from that in so many ways. And, and on the nonprofit side specifically, I don't know that it's realistic to centralize into a single source system versus understanding that you're going to have data in disparate disaggregated systems that are decentralized. And therefore, the point, the strategy should be, okay, how do I connect them? How do I make sure that data flows back and forth? And obviously with that, you want someplace for data to sit so that you can see it in aggregate, right? So, so it, it's a little bit of a change in the last few years from moving everything together to connecting everything together um you mentioned I think that's a really good point go ahead yeah no i think that's a really good point justin because over the years like what's the central source of the record where, you know, where is it, do we have everything in one place and i'm like we have a multiple sources of truth like what do you want to see right like we're not going to try to put all of our online data digital segmentation into salesforce we're not going to try to put all of our dm stuff into salesforce right you pick the pieces you need to or obtain your goals and you're going to of course have some larger data aggregates um, for segmentation, things like that. But you're going to have multiple sources of truth depending on what level of detail you want to get at. Um, and that's your point. It's really that integration and making sure those are really tight. And then it's also managing that technology debt because that's a problem too is you build an ad and then it's like, okay, well, what did we build over here? Okay, you just broke this process that was running because you added a field to this table, for example. Um, so I think that's really important. I think people have to get out of this, like just a single source of truth. Like you're going to have multiple sources of truth and then just like, what do you need? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a little bit of a Rubik's cube to that. Like, let's just get this, the colors right on each side, right? That that's, that's the way that you can turn it and see the, the, from a different source of truth. Um, so, uh, okay. So you mentioned, or uh, you used the word change agent and that is, yeah. you know, I, I remember you and I spoke in Jesus October or November of 2019. Uh, you had been at MAD for roughly six months, and right. uh, and and you laid it out even then uh, that you know you came 
One, because it was a, a very unique opportunity uh, to step in as the uh, the chief information officer for a um, a legacy nonprofit uh, in Mothers Against Drunk Driving, 40 years old-ish, but one that was right. um, undergoing and committed to a new chapter. And so can you talk a little bit about what that new chapter meant in terms of your tech stack and in terms of like you walking in, identifying, you know, all the various disparate systems and the roadmap that you ultimately wanted to create? Sure. Yeah, no, like I said, it was a great opportunity to come in, um, you know, and the board and the leadership is like, we're going to invest in technology. We need to invest in technology. So, you know, first coming in, you know, my real initial job was kind of an audit assessment of just what was out there, what do we have today, kind of doing an inventory of just all the different applications and things like that that were in play. You know, so one of the immediate things is I just realized personnel was a major, major challenge. You did not have the right people in play, you didn't have the right talent. Forget the technology, right? If you don't have the people to actually implement that technology and maximize it, it doesn't matter. I can have the best technology platform in the world, but if I'm not using it correctly or the right way, it doesn't matter. You know, so I, that, you know, I always envisioned this like pyramid, like, so I really started at the very bottom and I bet I'm there to me was people. I had to hire staff and the people to come in and do the work because as a leader, I mean, I'm not doing the hands-on work every day. You know, I've got to work through people and they've got to, you know, you know, I'm going to help with overall vision and obviously operations, but I need to hire the team. So that was one of the first things I did. So over that time period, I hired and fired about 13 people to really build up that layer of staff. And then the next layer was technology. So we identified multiple technology pieces that need to be changed or, or replaced or enhanced. So Salesforce was a big component of ours that was not being run well, had a lot of issues. So we invested a lot in getting that environment cleaned up. And then we also realized that we had some digital engagement tools for email that we were paying a lot of money for that were very limited in scope of what they could do. So we actually had a, you know, an 18 month roadmap to say, okay, we've got to sunset this email tool, roll out a new email tool, that would give us the ability and that foundation moving forward to then do other things, right? So if you don't have the foundation in place, you can talk about all these cool things you want to do, like marketing automation and personalization, but like you've got to have all the foundational pieces working really well before you can start tackling these more like fine-tuned things, right? So, you know, that pyramid to me at the very top is like very strategic. You're really like turning dials and getting things really, you know, you know synced in place. And that's kind of, we're getting close to that. Right. So I think the first couple of years was really just that whole foundation building and getting technology in place and the people. Uh, so people, I think, is number one. You talk about digital transformation and like it's not an end game. Right. Like There's not like an end. Like all of a sudden a check. We're done with digital transformation. Like it's ongoing. Like it's never it's never ending, especially with the way the environment is with everything going on online. You just you're, and you're like constantly got to reiterate. Like, hey, this solution we had two years ago, it was great. Then does it work for us now? Right. So. You know, I, and I personally always try to have like a two-year roadmap, um, just because I feel it's realistic to have a two-year roadmap, and you can move things around, but that really helps you have, like, hey, here's where I want to get long-term, and it could change, uh, but at least I know where I want to get to, um, and keep reiterating people that, too. It's like, this is a step-by-step -step process. This is not just something that happens overnight, and it might take a year to get the technology in place, and then another six months to get the process in place. So I think just having this real perspective, and then also understanding, like, if you're a smaller organization, you don't have a lot of resources, it's gonna take longer, right? Or you might need to bring in third-party consulting staff. So I think depending on the size of the org, the money, the budget you have, you might be able to move a little bit quicker, but you also can't like outpace your staff either. <laughs> so if you don't have the right staff in place, there's no reason to really start this whole digital transformation. You should hire 
get the right people in place first. Yeah, you gotta you gotta have people rowing in the same direction, right? And and you know the, some of the team members that that you brought on are, are they're fantastic because they do they they bought into the vision, and that was key. But they also grabbed the oar and started rowing in, in the right direction. So you talk about vision, you talk about perspective, uh, and you know obviously you set off on the path. You you start checking off the boxes on the roadmap. And uh, and you're making incremental change. You're doing these things, and then uh, you know, under a year into your time on this roadmap, little thing called the pandemic happens, and uh, and and I'm curious what that did. How did that change your roadmap, and and how did that change the way that your team works or worked on your transformation initiatives sure yeah i mean I, I, that was my my first pandemic that i've ever had to go through in my life right so i think a lot of it wasn't that new right i mean i remember way early on i was like oh first couple of weeks you know use some hand sanitizer wash your hands it'll be over in a few weeks right i mean i just that who knows it would have lasted that long so you know we had started a lot of initiatives like kind of that q4 before the pandemic hit so we were fortunate in that sense that we already had a path for transformation when moving to the cloud, digital transformation. Now that was a two-year roadmap, but we already started down that path. Um, we've rolled out some new tools internally. Uh, there's a tool called Workplace on Facebook that helps you connect and have groups and, and chat. We just rolled that out. So that was a really nice thing to have in play as we had all of a sudden go, hey, we're not going to have in office. We're going to be spread out. Uh, Matt has a pretty disparate workforce. We have offices all around the country. So we had a lot of people in different states. Uh, so some of those things um, did help us and enable us to, okay, okay, uh, not make it that big of a hit, you know, for just our operations perspective. But then we had a lot of shifts from like staff time, right? Because we had certain programs and those programs that were say in person now shifted to online. So like our online revenue went from, you know, $10,000 a month to millions of dollars a month in certain programs online. So we had to definitely shift resources. So that definitely delayed just from a bandwidth perspective, having to pivot and make changes throughout that time period um, on focusing on some of the key roadmap items. Uh, but the core stuff was still in play. I mean, we have we literally moved, um, we consolidated vendors in that year, and we moved our email platform that year. So right in the middle of the pandemic, uh, we moved our email platform to a new provider, set that up, and then also did a bunch of vendor consolidation at the same time. So we were, I mean, uh, you know, the way I look at it is we just kept going. So we, I know we have people, I heard people say, oh, everything's going to stop, revenue's going to stop coming in. Like, you got to keep pushing, you got to keep working. So that's what we did. We just really buckled down and just like really, I'd say worked really hard. Uh, I think over that pandemic, you just didn't know what was going to happen. So the team was really dialed in and we just really focused on what we need to get done versus getting, you know, carried away with like, well, we can't, we can't control what the end game's going to be. I can control this right now. And so we just kept communicating with our donors and kept, you know, kept on the roadmap and that worked out for us, um, you know, and it allowed us to be stronger. You know, I think we've got a lot stronger going through that because if you can make it through that, that's a very tough time to make it through with kids schedule and things like that. So I'm like, you know, now problems are easier. <laughs> yeah, but that kind of goes to, you know, what we talked about earlier of it's incremental change one step at a time. So no matter what, you know, hurdles come your way, just keep trying to get that one next step. Um, so uh, I'm curious about, 
um, you know, we you mentioned this earlier as well that uh, you know a key part of this transformation is connecting your data, not not necessarily providing that one source of truth, but connecting it to yep. you know to where it's all working together and and you can see it from multiple angles. You know, a, a stat that we've shared in our uh, blog a few times is that 76% of nonprofit professionals are not satisfied with their data, and then another 60% don't use data to make decisions. Clearly, this has been an area of focus for MAD. I want to, I'm just curious, like, how has that process of unifying your data, connecting your data, how has that gone? What have been some of the challenges you faced there? Sure, sure. Well, Ron, you mentioned step by step. So I got this uh, picture of a, a, a mountain in the background. I actually hiked this when I was younger, uh, but it, it constantly reminds me that everything I do is just one step after another, right? And also that, like, that, that journey is the most fun thing, really. Getting to the top of the project or finishing it does feel good, but really the journey along the way is you got to enjoy that. Uh, so that's a great reminder. And I will say, yes, data trans, I mean, the whole data piece is interesting because, you know, people, a lot of people don't understand the data architecture, right? You might have tons and tons of data, but how much do you really know of what you have? So, you know, when I first came into Matt, it was very siloed, right? It was like, here's direct mail, here's our online people, here's our program stuff. It's like, we just want to keep these people in silos. And people tell me that. I'm like, why is this not, you guys have been around for 40 years. Why is this not more integrated, right, on the data side? We want it that way. I'm like, okay, well, that's, you can't do that if you want to move down the path of, really reaching your donors where they want to be communicated to. And then, you know, with personalization, right? That's like the end game of like, okay, I really want to get personalized communication. Well, you got to really understand your data to do that. Uh, so we had a two year roadmap to start bridging that gap. So that involved technology, it involved vendors, and it involved support. Uh, you know, we were very lean uh, when it comes to our staff, you know, so I definitely am a true believer in, you know, staff um, and vendor augmentation on certain things to give you additional bandwidth and also different experience. Um, so, you know, luckily we have some strong partners. Uh, so we decided, okay, we've got, this is going to be our data, our data warehouse where we're going to do all of our core like donor segmentation out of. So what do we need to get into that environment? We need to bring over our Salesforce online data. So step one was we've got to get our online donors into this offline database that's got tons of historical data for DM and telemarketing. He's like, we need to see that overlap, right? So we need to bring in online, we need to bring in walk, we need to bring in our events. Start to see that true picture of like, what is my donor value, right? So I mean, that's the thing, right? You might have given $1,000 in DM, $10 on a walk, but I mean, if you're only looking at that one channel, you don't have the true picture. So phase one was getting the, the actual connector built uh, for Salesforce in our data warehouse. So we partnered, got that split up, did all the mapping that's required, and then, you know, did our testing, started bringing data over. So we've worked through that over two years, and now um, it's, I mean, nice to say we actually have all of our online data flowing into our data warehouse. Um, so right now we're literally, okay, how do we move this forward of like better segmentation and how do we engage? Which is gonna help us as we move forward with major gifts, plan gifts, you know, we can start exposing that data. Uh, but I still think it's a challenge because, you know, I have a large enterprise diagram, it's got our technology stack, and I, I show that to everybody comes on board net new, it's a lot. So it's like to understand how all these different components work. Like what is that donor journey, right? From somebody comes in online. Well, they're touching multiple applications, right? And I mean, they're going through this entire flow. So I think it is a constant education process when it comes to your leadership team, the board, your personnel. You've got to keep reiterating the same things and understanding like this is a journey, but here's the different phases. 
and here's the plan to get to where we want to be. And just to your point, it, it takes steps. There might be hurdles along the way that deviate those timelines too. Um, but you definitely got to have a path to where you want to get there and then understanding that it could change. Timing could depend on a lot of different variables. Uh, you hit on a lot of uh, really important points from the, obviously the, the consistency in, in data processes, not uh, throwing out anything that you've done wholesale, right? Understanding those pieces and then taking steps to optimize them. Uh, and so, you know, that would be like for one of our listeners, if they've got a, a control acquisition piece, you don't throw away the control acquisition piece. You test your way out of it and you do that in, right. in incremental steps. And so what you're describing to me feels similar to that sort of marketing activity that you're taking like incremental steps with a vision of having a new control in place that might deliver a higher average gift or whatever it might be in the end. But it's these like little bitty steps along the way and some are big steps and sometimes you have to step to the side in order to step forward again. And so there's all of those pieces and components to this transformation uh, that is important while keeping your eye on that vision, right? Keeping your eye on, yep. uh, as your, your picture shows, like keeping your eye towards the top of the mountain. Um, and, and I also really appreciate what you said about the staff and vendor, uh, augmentation and, you know, uh, uh, you've got a, you've got a great size staff. You really do. And yes, y'all, mm -hmm. you do run lean, but you've got a tremendous amount of resources and not every nonprofit is, uh, is as fortunate to have the size and scale and skill set of the team that you have. And that's where I think it does become even more important that you find the right partner for whatever your project is that understands mm -hmm. the vision that can help you build out the roadmap or take those different steps along the road, you know, to, to be that, that partner and confidant and person side by side kind of helping you on that journey. So all, well, just let me to that point. Yeah. Goes. I was going to say, I mean, the vendor consolidation, I didn't mention earlier, but I mean, on like the whole direct mail DM operations, right? You know, one of the big things that allowed us to operate more efficiently was moving to RKD. We consolidated four vendors into RKD. So having that streamlined operations when it comes to content creation, account management, just the understanding of our business and having everybody on the same page was a huge, huge win for MAD. Um, it also, you know, took us out of the weeds on certain things and allowed us to have a production partner that could really help execute day to day, but also strategically as well. Um, and as we have funding to add other media channels and things like that, have the opportunities to execute in other areas, we might not came to today, but we have the foundation to do that uh, in a larger scale. You know, so that was a big change for us, help to save expenses as well. So, you know, streamlining operations is a very important part of this. Um, to make sure you're not just wasting time on the on the incorrect things. I, I completely agree and appreciate the plug. <laughs> but but even so, like even if it weren't even if you weren't saying RKD, I think the sure. point still stands, right? That that basically, and man, we still see organizations do this. And and I'll be honest with you, it, it baffles me at times to where if you have uh, multiple. Uh, marketing operations uh, or, you know, marketing solutions providers in place, it feels like that's twice the work for you as an organization. Or in your case, it's four times the amount of work because you're trying to manage four different relationships versus being right. able to centralize that outsourcing with one partner that can do all of those things. So, 
you know, everyone has to make their own their own calls on that. But but I I find and actually understand from uh, from some market research that more and more people are wanting to centralize mm -hmm. that outsourcing and, and because it simplifies and helps them better integrate. Right. So well, not just from yeah, not just from the creation production side, but also your technology, right? Because technology is like in the let's say the cloud fine, SaaS provided, right? But like you don't just want the platform, right? Great, here's a licensing fee, here's a SaaS form. I need somebody that understands this platform hundred percent, how I can maximize the platform, right? Like I think about like in the old team razor phase, right? Like when I used to team raiser, like there's so many things you could do and like customize if you don't understand how to do that or invest in it, you're gonna have a completely different experience. Uh, same thing with like our data warehouse, other things like that. We make sure we have partners that also understand the solution and making sure that we're utilizing and maximizing that solution, not just, hey, here's a login, have at it, right? So right. I think it's really right. important that, because I see a lot of technology where you get thrown under the bus, well, the technology sucks. No, you don't know how to use the technology or you're not have the people in place to maximize that. So I'm like, is it maximized and you're solving a problem? Okay, then it's time for a change. But you know, you need to really explore that before you, you just you know start blaming technology. No, I I completely agree. And and again, like I think about the ecosystem that you've put in place. You know, uh, obviously our team has a role in that, but uh, the team at DMI has a role in that. Your internal team plays a big role in that. Uh, you mentioned the email provider that you put in place, and so some of the ECRM functions that you put in place, along with the uh, the operation side of the the work front uh, element that you're using with with Facebook for internal, like it's all of those pieces together. So it is that ecosystem. It's not saying, hey, I'm going to go buy this new piece of tech and it's going to solve everything for me. Like it, it is about integrating and flowing through that data in your own operations and certainly into your marketing and how MAD presents itself externally in, sure. in marketing channels and mass marketing, you know, from traditional to all the various digital channels, also in your events. And you all still do, uh, uh, still have a large number of events, a great event presence. Talk about some of the things that these, that this transformation or this, uh, this great integration, talk about some of the things that you've seen that has allowed you all to do specifically in how you fundraise? What does that unlock sure. for you in your fundraising? Yeah, I think it's important on the technology because I mean, there's a lot of things too I've learned the hard way, right? I mean, you just, that's some of the best experience. So, you know, we definitely, you know, in, in our business operations, we definitely have found that having our email solution and nation forms in one combined platform is much easier to manage from our team. Instead of having a third-party email, donation forms over here, trying to sync up things, so we made a, a you know a big push to get a consolidated platform for email donation form. You know, getting that in play not only saved us a lot of money from the other commercial tool we're using, so we saved just hard costs, but then gave us a foundation. So you know, we were able to start setting up marketing automation pieces. So one of the first ones we set up was a welcome series, not rocket science, but hey, here's a welcome series. We can maintain it, we can manage it. But the other piece was recurring giving. So I think that's like the golden goose, right, of nonprofits. You want recurring gifts. You want that recurring revenue. So we made multiple investments in how do we get people to convert to recurring gifts. So we initially had about 4% of our online revenue is recurring gifts. So we went all out. We went for enhancing our donation forms with recurring gift options, uh, with light boxes to get people to convert to recurring gifts. And then with other bigger things, we set up a recurring gift automation, marketing automation. 
so that if you give X number of times in a certain period, you flow into this automation flow, right? And it's multiple emails trying to get you convert to recurring donors. So we've gone from 4% to 35% of our online gifts are recurring now, right? And so, and that's continuing to trend up. So that's been huge, right? And, and so that's really helped us grow our online fundraising as well. So having this stream on operations, back in 2019, we were only doing about $600,000 in online, right? So now we're doing about 1.2 million. So it's pretty much doubled um, in the last three years. You know, I think it's, I think it's gonna be hard to grow. I mean, it's hard and harder to grow, right? I mean, you have the big uptick, um, you know, so I think it's gonna be harder to grow as we move forward. But still, that foundation is now there. So now we're looking at different ways to augment what we've built. So, right, okay, I've got a strong foundation. What can I do next? Do we change our paid advertising strategy? Do we do X here? You know, so I think it is important, too, to have not just the technology piece, but, you know, that strategy around, we didn't really have a paid media budget a few years ago. So that was a big change, too. It was like, we now have a paid targeted media budget to help out with online fundraising. And because we've synced up our offline operations, you know, campaigns and things like that are also synced up. So we've got similar messaging in multiple channels. So, you know, those, all those things have led us to, you know, be able to increase fundraising. So, you know, I'm really excited about like the monthly giving piece and then all these, just where we're at from a revenue perspective too. Uh, you should be really excited. Like it's, that is no small feat to go from, you know, single, uh, you know, single percentage of your revenue tied in and recurring gifts up to you know 35 percent in the online space that's that that's massive and the other the the thing that that throws off is more data and because you have committed to the you know helping build out uh you know or refine the ecosystem to handle more data and be able to understand that data better it then becomes this really interesting cycle of better data more data means better analysis which means better strategy which should mean that while you know you might hit these kind of like plateaus somewhere along the way you've got more data to break through that next plateau in your growth so it becomes that virtuous cycle which we see uh you know can just continue to scale and so that's super yep. exciting. I mean, that's that's massive. Well, I think just to be careful too, because you don't try to do too many things, right? Like you've got to make sure the core stuff's working well, right? It's like, there's always like shiny things. I want you to do this and this and this and this. And it's like, well, okay, that's great. Is your core stuff really functioning really well? And then try to start adding on, right? So I think that's, we're getting to that point where the core is there and we're really starting to try to dial up our Facebook fundraising, right? Cause that kind of continues to shift and evolve and like, what Facebook has available, what they do with their API. So like, you know, but we had to really get that other foundation there piece. You don't want to be jumping around, especially if it's a smaller nonprofit, you're not gonna have the bandwidth at the time. So really dedicate on the core stuff, make sure it's working and then start tackling net new. I, I just, I, I'm continuously amazed as our team shares stuff about things that are happening at MAD and uh, in, in three years, you know, COVID has brought uh, so many new things. It's helped transform the space in uh, in a lot of ways. It's accelerated digital and data in a very necessary way. And uh, but the the work that you and the team have put into it and the results are, are they really are remarkable. And so it's a it's kudos to your leadership and uh, the partnership that you have with our team and with with others to to the success that you all have 
have had there. So, th so then the, the question for me is, okay, what's next? Like what, what's next on the roadmap? What's next on the horizon for you sure. and Mad in that, that journey? Yeah, no. And I think, uh, so a couple of things related to that, I think, you know, going through the pandemic, it, uh, it definitely shifted my viewpoint on certain things where, you know, I used to think, okay, we've got a year project, two year project. It's going to be pretty like structured things like that. So I'm much more open to change now. I mean, I'm always open for change, but like, just willing to pivot. I don't know. I kind of like, okay, every day something might pop up where I've got to pivot. Um, but you've got to have the long-term path, right? So, you know, we're wrapping up some of our data warehousing stuff. So the next piece for us is really helping expose some of that more with like business intelligence and giving access to that to, you know, the extended audience um, in, 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 in nuggets that they can understand, right? Not just, hey, here's all the fields in the database, but like, Structured format, what do you need? Because um, we really have got to do a better job of building up our major gifts, our plan gifts, bequests, things like that. So, you know, now that we have the data structure in place, we're going to start building some more sophisticated, um, you know, AI reporting on those donors to understand, you know, what capacity they have to give long term. So that's going to be one component. Then we want to continue to build out just um, our data segmentation. I think our data segmentation needs to get a lot more just sophisticated. Um, you know, there's still some big groups that we have to reach out to, but like really get that more dialed in of like, hey, if you're a walk donor, you're only going to get walk. If you're, you know, really understanding where they want to get in communication and where they're getting the most and trying to maximize those channels. And then, you know, we're going to be rolling out uh, an updated website later this year, which that, that has to happen to be able to allow us to do any kind of personalization because our current website is outdated technology. You know, it's been updated and things like that, but having a brand new tech stack on the website will then allow us to then, okay, if do personalization, we can actually execute that on the new website. Well, we can't do it today. So, right, we've got to have that foundation. So that's going to be a critical component just to, you know, our pages loading faster, right? Just a better user experience, which I think will obviously help with our online conversion rates and that overall experience online. Um, so that's a big component for us too. And then, you know, we'll continue to focus on some of the, the data structures and, you know, how that's going to get better long-term. So, Graham, obviously the, the website's in progress, like that's already happening, but these other two things, mm -hmm. uh, are those kind of happening at the same time? You mentioned not wanting to do too many things, you know, at once and having to kind of focus. Um, are those happening side by side? Or are you kind of putting those in place, you know, making sure you, you, you get them aligned and, and everybody on the same page and that, you know, rowing in the same direction, like, like we mentioned before? Yeah, yeah, I think we're definitely going to be tackling, uh, we've got some additional development staff now, so I think the next phase for us will be really, okay, we've got all these donors, we've got a lot of, we've got all the data about them, how do we convert that to major gifts, right, because Matt historically hasn't done that, we just haven't had, we're heavy on grants, we're heavy on direct marketing, like, you know, filled revenue, but like, we don't have a strong major giving program, so that's something we're working on right now, and, and focus is there, so I would see that being an immediate need. Um, and then also, we, you know, with the technology piece we have on play, we're, you know, heavily invested in, you know, Salesforce and a lot of our programs run there. So we'll be doing some things there to help enhance our corporate partnership tracking and, and follow-ups there too. And then, you know, as we move forward, it's got to be, you know, stair-stepped uh, just because of bandwidth and things like that. But then I would think like, you know, next year we'll be focusing more on like the BI piece of it and exposing some of that reporting uh, once we have these other layers really buttoned up. You know, and we did mention, I didn't mention earlier, but I mean, Facebook is going to be continued to be an investment there. Uh, you know, we talked about it briefly, but I've done multiple different things at Facebook from, you know, automated bot integrations with Messenger to hands-on. So we do feel, I do feel there's a lot of acquisition opportunity in digital on Facebook. Um, 
with either you know custom challenges and things that you can do, or just in just giving a better experience to people that are creating fundraisers mm-hmm. and engaging with them. So I think there will be revenue growth um, from Facebook um, over the next you know next year as well. We're investing in several tools there and doing some different pilots to see if it's really going to work for us. Brim, if uh, if someone from our listening audience wants to connect with you. Uh, they want to talk to you offline. They want to help understand, maybe see some pictures of uh, your roadmap or the uh, the. It's not even an ecosystem. It sounds like a galaxy that you've got mapped out there in terms <laughs> of your your overall your tech stack and how data flows. What's the best way for folks to uh, to get in touch with you? Uh, you know, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Uh, my name's pretty unique too. There's not too many Brim Basins out there, so very easy to find on LinkedIn. I'll just reach out, connect. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in just trying to help people, especially nonprofits, it's a small world. So it's like, you know, the circle comes around. I mean, me and Justin a long, long time ago had opportunity to work directly together, you know, and then here we are now doing a podcast. So you just never know which doors are going to open. So yeah, I reached out on LinkedIn, uh, after you connect, you know, direct message me on there and get my work email and then I have a conversation. Very cool. We appreciate you being on the, uh, on the show and sharing your, your journey and sharing what's to come. For mad we uh we can't wait to see what happens next oh thanks justin thanks for me too i mean i really appreciate you the time um giving mad some airtime as well um you know it's mentioned earlier mad's around for 40 years have some really mission critical work happening right now we have some really critical legislation that's in play that um can really help save lives on the roadway so we're really excited about that so it's a very pivotal time for the organization so you know i'm excited to be in the in the seat that i am and help uh, drive this shit forward very cool. So that's uh, that's the conversation today. It's a conversation with Brim. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of West Texas come into it. We were going to do this entire episode dedicated to Sonny Cumbie and decided not to. Uh, and so you know we'll have to we'll have to do that in another format, Brim. We'll do the pros and cons <laughs> of Sonny Cumbie in, in in another format. That's that's right. Yeah, next time. Yeah. So. Uh, Ronnie, uh, what else, man? What are, what else is there to say? Oh, uh, we've got, a, you know, a whole host of other episodes that would love for folks to check out. If you haven't listened, if this is the first time, if you're a part of Brim's network and you're checking this out for the first time, uh, you can find all the episodes of Group Thinkers on every place that you listen to podcasts. So Apple and Spotify, and then on RKD Group's website, be sure to Uh, leave us a review. You can also leave Brim a review by leaving us a review. Uh, So like the episode and uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for uh, checking out this episode. We'll see you next time. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, visit rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests, but the marketing efforts behind Group Thinkers. Suzanne, Ronnie, and others for their work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers. 